Seltzer Kings podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. No, 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 Gavin. I, I think it's great that the British actually invented the VCR. I mean, your little machine was quaint. Like ox carts and uh, and cobblestones. Yes. The following podcast contains a lot of screaming, profanity, explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you decided to play that unlabeled video cassette you found in your dad's underwear drawer, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Blensow. This is episode number 372, Video Home System Killed the Betamax Star, where we talk about the most bloody and vicious conflict of the 1980s, the home video format wars. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Mondo Fast Eddie's Home Video, where it's always... 1985. Are you in the mood for a movie tonight? Why not come down to Mondo Fast Eddie's home video where we've got the latest hits in all the formats. VHS, Beta, and Laserdisc. Star Trek 3, Search for Spock, VHS, on VHS, and Beta. Children of the Corn on Laserdisc. Thinking Ghostbusters? We got it on VHS, Beta, and Laserdisc. If you got the players, we got the media. Fresh from Fast Eddie's Uncle Nunzio's warehouse that was seized by the feds and recently returned to the family upon Nunzio's tragic passing. Turns out, there were no bodies buried there after all. Why stream it when you can watch it like it was meant to be watched in an antiquated and outdated format in all its shitty splendor? I mean, we got tapes, we ain't got no players. You're gonna have to check like eBay or some shit for that. Which VCR is right for you, VHS or Beta? VHS video cassettes play longer, which can save you money. Big deal. Beta produces the best possible picture. Big deal. What may be no big deal to some people may be a big deal to you. That's why NEC makes both VHS and Beta to give you the best choice. Which VCR is right for you? NEC. These are your NEC big dealers. 1983? Big fucking year in the Bledsoe household. We literally moved across the world from Oklahoma to Guam. What do you call an inhabitant of Guam? Well, back in 1983, you called him David, since uh, I wouldn't become a Dave for another year or so when I realized I would be infinitesimally less nerdy if I went by Dave. Really, Dave? That was my thinking at the time. Turns out what, what I really needed was booze and weed. But the big reason 1983 was so fucking cool for my family household is that we finally got our first video cassette player. Instead of being shackled with the tyranny of network scheduling and seeing movies in theaters where if you had to pee, you either held it or you took a whiz in your 600-ounce soda cup and left it for poor some, some poor high school schlub to have to clean up after the movie. Oh, whoa. Is that piss? Now we could hit pause, take a piss, and pick up the movie where we left off. Oh, I admit, 
Sometimes I still feel a little nostalgic and I go to the theater and leave a giant cup of piss on the floor just for old time's sake. Like every family in those dark times, my parents had to face a grim choice. Like Sophie's choice choices. You see, in those days, America, indeed the world, was riven in twain by two opposing ideologies and where you came down on that divide had profound repercussions for your family, for your country, and for the future. And it all came down to how we felt about... Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? No! No, of course not. I mean, the choice between buying a VHS or a Betamax. Damn it, Dave. Yeah, although I just do that for a bit now, right? I mean, I fucking loathe Ronald Reagan, but even I can't draw a line between Reagan and the video format war. That would just be stretching things further than even I could stretch them, unless, of course... You take into account that Reagan stirred up anti-Japanese hysteria, which manifested in Reagan slapping a 100% tariff on Japanese imports in 1987. He's, he's everywhere. <laughs> it turns out, I guess I could draw that line after all. Reagan is a monster. That's, that's really what I want people to take away from the show. In the end, my parents made the same choice as most people did when it came to their VCR selection. They went with the one that cost slightly less money, and bought a VHS. If you were born after the turn of the 21st century, I just, I feel so old. You're likely only barely aware that once upon a time, movies came into your homes on physical media, and for you, the only kind of media that you're familiar with are a small disc you placed into a slim plastic box, and Disney movies would then appear on a screen. However, in the olden times, this was not the case. Indeed, for most of history, movies, well, one couldn't see a movie at home unless it was chopped up for time and edited for dirty words. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? What happens? And then subsequently broadcast via the airways on Tuesday night during the summer rerun season. not a uh, optimal way to watch a Hollywood blockbuster. Also, we were forced to watch television shows when they aired, and if we did not see it during this regularly scheduled time in its regular season run, we were shit out of luck. Maybe it would run in summer, maybe it wouldn't. And if you didn't like it, what the fuck were you gonna do? Read a book? Ew, you guys are sick. That was until 1963. Wait, 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 what? Yep, 1963, when according to a website called terramina.co.uk, quote, the Telcan fixed-head longitudinal videotape recorder, an early device intended for use in home taping of television programs. The recorder, mounted on top of a television cabinet, used a quarter-inch tape running at 120 inch per second past fixed heads and carried two 15-minute tracks. The intended price is around 61 pounds, and it had been developed by Norman Rutherford and Michael Turner of the Nottingham Electric Valve Company, unquote. Oh, the Nottingham Electric Valve Company. That's the most British thing 
I've ever heard. And if you're curious as to what 61 pounds in 1963 money comes out comes out to, it's around 700 bucks in today's U.S. dollars, a proper currency. A year or so later, Sony, a proper company, came out with a CV2000, which according to a website called smecc.org, quote, in 1964, a team led by Dotobushi Kahihara developed the CV2000, the world's first VCR intended for home use. This was the first step towards realizing Masaru Ibuka's dream of creating a video player that would be suitable for home use in terms of both size and price. Although manufactured as the first home use VCR, most of the CV2000 machines were actually used for medical and industrial purposes before finding in their way into schools and then eventually homes. So in spite of the home use label, in reality, the reel-to-reel CV2000, which could record and playback black and white images, proved to be extremely popular institutional models, unquote. Needless to say, the CV2000's price tag, around a thousand bucks in 1964, just served 10 grand in today's dollars. Yeah, that's gonna limit the home market significantly. To own one of these, you had to be, uh... They had to be rich. So maybe like John Wayne had a CV2000 in his Hollywood pad for his underage Latin mistress to watch, but I suspect both of them are way too boozed and drugged up to figure out how to operate it. Why do you have to ruin everything? Oh, like it's my fault Marion was a massive piece of shit and essentially a child molester. The systems all worked on the same basic premises audio tape. An NTSC or National Television System Committee signal was encoded onto a strip of magnetic tape and stored for playback in a pair of reels that ran said tape on a magnetic reader that decoded it back to NTSC and pumped it back through your television so that you could watch last night's Bonanza. Haas and Little Joe get into a fight and Ben uses the fight to teach them a valuable lesson about family whenever you were ready to sit down and wallow in the glory that was pre-Battlestar Galactica Lauren Green. wasn't something most home viewers were interested in doing, so the machines largely remained the province of television studios and institutions, like, say, I don't know, the, the U.S. government, who would play tapes of napalm strikes over and over again on Vietnamese villages on, like a constant loop so that Curtis LeMay could masturbate. Poor bombs away. You know, they say in the end, the only way he could get it up was seeing the skin sizzle off the back of small Asian boys who ran screaming past the camera. And that right there, friends, that's an American tragedy. Well, okay, but you are a hater. Sony dropped the first recognizable video cassette recorder on the professional market in 1971. It featured a square box containing a reel of three-quarter inch magnetic tape that, recorded, that could record and play audio and video on its dedicated players, the first of which was called the U-Matic. Sony intended that U-Matic as a home device, but it too was expensive, and it went largely into use in television. And that revolutionized how the news was gathered. No more expensive film cameras or clunky broadcast trucks. A video cassette could be slapped into a portable camera recorder or a camcorder and taken anywhere. And before videotape, the news had to be staffed by trained journalists who had time to do stuff like research to determine things like facts and organize them into cogent things like stories. Now with video, News could just be some videotape footage of some jackass standing on the street saying words, 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 paving the way for 24 hour news and the downfall of human civilization. I can't wait. 
Clearly, the technology's creators needed to get around so many Americans not being either John Wayne or Curtis LeMay. And the tech companies knew they needed to make a machine affordable enough so that just regular rich folks like lawyers or stockbrokers could afford it. That's why Sony went back to the drawing board and came up with a new format and player they called the Betamax in 1975. According to Wikipedia, quote, the name had a double meaning. Beta is the Japanese word used to describe the way in which signals are recorded on the tape and the shape of the lowercase Greek letter beta that resembles the course of the tape through the transport. The suffix max from the word maximum was added to suggest greatness, unquote. This is gonna be great. <laughs> Betamax could record one hour in standard speed and later two hours at half speed, which was uh, basically enough for many Hollywood movies and as many as four pornos. Sony was confident their new system would become the single standard for home video. Indeed, they were lobbying really hard for the Japanese government to make it official, effectively making it the single standard worldwide. However, Sony was in for a... Uh A dramatic surprise. God, I love having that back. From the website keyboardaerobics.blogspot.com, quote, there were several Japanese industry giants poised to deliver home videotaping equipment. These machines had to be orders of magnitude more reliable than the clumsy existing professional machines, and Sony was the first to consider their efforts market ready. According to James Lardner, author of Fast Forward, New American Library, Sony invited Matsushita and JVC to license the Betamax technology in December of 1974. Sony's Merida was apparently not aware that JVC was almost ready to market their own machine, so it may have come as a rude surprise to them when JVC and Matsushita declined their offer. JVC believed it had a better product and didn't see that Betamax offered anything new. Moreover, Sony's overbearing attitude in this meeting may have had a definite impression on JVC's engineers, unquote. Sony, you see, had something of a reputation among its competitors for being, oh, how should I put this? Uh, being, quote, a dick. Only they probably said it in Japanese, which I did look for good translations, but it was one of those idioms that Google Translate still has problems with. Sony was the big dog on the block, and the other tech companies of the time resented how Sony got its way all the time. For more about how Sony had the biggest hog in the barn, see episode number 338 got me a Walkman and then walked right in and solved them. And there's your promo. From Wikipedia, quote, In 1974, the Japanese Ministry of International Trade and Industry, MIDI, desiring to avoid consumer confusion, attempted to force the Japanese video industry to standardize on just one home video recording format. Sony had a functional prototype of the Betamax format and was very close to releasing a finished product. With this prototype, Sony persuaded MIDI to adopt Betamax as the standard and allowed it to license the technology to other companies. JVC believed that an open standard with the format shared among competitors without licensing the technology was better for the consumer. To prevent the MIDI from adopting Betamax, JVC worked to convince the other companies, in particular Matsushita, Japan's largest electronic manufacturer at the time, marking its products under the national brand in most territories and the Panasonic brand in North America, and JVC's majority stockholder, to accept VHS and thereby work against Sony and the MIDI. Matsushita agreed! Primarily out of concern that Sony might become the leader in the field if its proprietary Betamax format was the only one allowed to be manufactured. Matsushita also regarded Betamax's one-hour recording time limit as a disadvantage, unquote. Aside from the time limit, there was really very little difference in the quality of the formats. 
I mean, yeah, I could go into all the ways that beta could do things that VHS couldn't say things about resolution and simplicity of the mechanics and the players and the tapes and how beta had superior tracking and search and was more durable product since the short recording length didn't force the the, the tape to get thin and stretched to become more prone to breakage and a bunch of other things that I don't really understand, but I'm not going to do that. Thank God. Go. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Because for the average schlub who just wanted to watch Phoebe Cates take her top off on fast times over and over again, there was no real difference in quality. And in the end, that's all we were looking for in a videotape. Sony got to market first, but in this case, that didn't mean as much because in 1975, the first year's VCRs were practically available on the market in the United States. The first model still cost $2,000. I did the math and today's money, that's a shade over 11 grand. That's like as much as two full tanks of premium unleaded gasoline. Topical, I still got it. So you know, your average consumer wasn't rushing out to buy their very own Betamax when they first hit the market. Still, Sony was able to sell 30,000 Betamaxes in their first year, which tells you how many people were just fucking filthy rich from selling cocaine in 1975. More from our Blogspot friend, quote, but when JVC came out with a VHS format, VCR in 1976, the stage was set for the format wars. JVC had a machine that already doubled Sony's recording time of one hour, that difference would prove crucial. By January of 1977, JVC was joined by four more Japanese electronics manufacturers to build and market VHS format VCRs. Then in February, Sony abandoned its long-standing policy against OEM, or Original Equipment Manufacturer, deals and joined forces with Zenith. Matsushita struck back by attempting to recruit RCA. RCA indicated that the VHS recording limit of two hours should be increased to three or four, and six weeks later, a prototype was ready, and in March, RCA joined the VHS camp, unquote. Now we got a real fucking war going on. The Goliath of Sony against a whole bunch of Davids all around the globe, and David had an advantage. They were willing to go low. By low, I mean below the belt. You know, a punch to the man purse. More from Keyboard Aerobics, quote, while price later was less of a factor, in 1977, the VHS manufacturers led by Matsushita got into the trenches. VCR prices dropped as they became cheaper to make. RCA led by dropping prices $300 below a Sony machine, which caused an avalanche of follow-on price cutting. Eventually, even Sony was forced to drop its price by $200. And by 1982, the price war was in full swing, and Sony was offering a $50 rebate as a home improvement grant. The comments from the sidelines were fairly equanimous. In 19, September of 1977, the Saturday Review declared that eventually the public learned to live with two recording speeds, 33 and a third and 45, 40, and 45 RPM, and doubtless it will resign itself to two videotape systems. And if nothing else, these comments show that industry observers themselves hadn't a clue about the technology involved in a VCR, unquote. Now, as I mentioned, the choice for my folks came down to price, as it did for most people. VHS was slightly cheaper to start, and more importantly, unlike Beta, which was a proprietary technology, small manufacturers could purchase a license to make VHS machines and increasing the number of VHS units on the shelf, further driving down the price. Not to mention that the cost of a blank VHS was about half of a Beta cassette. And by the mid-1980s, a VHS VCR, a top-of-the-line VHS machine, 
I had about 500 bucks. With a cheap one, I had around 300 bucks. Uh, that's around 800 bucks of today's money. And with easy financing on your Montgomery Wards credit card. The best buys of Montgomery Wards this week are VCRs. You save 25 to 50% on all VCRs, including Sony and Zenith. But the best buy is this VCR with wireless remote for 249 No, the best buy is Magnavox Deluxe VCR for 299 Actually, the best buy is this Hi-Fi stereo VCR at half price. You save $350. I don't know why Montgomery Wards was my parents' go-to stores back then. All I know is most of our stuff come from Monkey Wards. Oh, and here's some bonus content that I learned while doing show research. People called Montgomery Wards Monkey Wards because once upon a time, you could buy a monkey from a Montgomery Wards catalog. I love you, Dr. Zayas. What if I told you? What if I suggested? But what really sealed the deal in the format wars came down to a decision that neither Sony nor JVC nor anyone else saw coming or would have acknowledged if they had seen it coming. What if I told you that some people believe the reason we all watch Star Wars, just Star Wars, not that New Hope bullshit, just plain old Star Wars on, v on a VHS machine, came down to a simple, profitable, and slightly sticky industry. It's pornography! According to an article on Macworld, quote, Steve Hirsch, who founded Vivid Entertainment in 1984, said the porn industry, just as in the 1980s, will have a big influence on the outcome of the latest high-definition video format wars. In the 1980s, Hearst said VHS started selling for $50 a piece and Betamax went for $55. Therefore, we pushed VHS harder. And in that sense, we did have something to do with VHS winning out, said Hirsch, whose studio pulls in an estimated $100 million in revenue a year. It was the adult industry who jumped right in and were putting movies on both VHS and Beta. We pushed the actual technology more than anyone else, he said. The adult industry has always been ahead when it comes to technology, unquote. <laughs> Look, this is hotly disputed by many so-called experts who claim it was a myriad of factors having mostly to do with price points that made the VHS the dominant standards. We all know they're only saying that because they don't want to admit they had the same stash of hardcore smut tapes and a shoebox under the bed that the rest of us did. So you know what? Just own up to your smut, dudes. Just live with it, you bunch of prudes. What's wrong with porn? What's wrong with porn? By the mid-1980s, the words of the prophets were written on the porno studio soundstage walls. VHS was going to win the home market, and it wasn't even really much of a fight after the first few years. At its best, Betamax gave you two hours of recording time and VHS gave you six, meaning that you could record Ghostbusters 1 and 2 off HBO on the same VHS tape. Watch them anytime you wanted. This caused the inevitable lawsuit, just like the compact cassette did when it came out. Universal Studios and the Dark Lord Disney sued Sony in 1976, claiming Sony was making a product that enabled and encouraged copyright theft, just like the record industry sued over music cassettes. For more on this topic, see episode 317. It's a Pirate's Life for Me Part 1, Analog Days. Oh, look at that, a double back catalog boost. Jeremy is gonna be so fucking proud. Naturally, the case wound up in the Supreme Court, which in those days wasn't just about turning women into childbearing vessels for the Christo-fascist state. 
and they rule that Sony's Betamax and by proxy its VHS successors had substantial non-infringing uses like children's birthday parties or your dad's hairy, sweaty, naked ass just railing it to your mom. That's just sick. Just like they did with every other technology until Napster came along. See episode 318 of Pirate's Life of Me Part 2, downloaded from Napster. Damn, dog, we hit a three for this week. Jeremy's just going to buy me a Pepsi or something. The lawsuit cost a shit ton of money, however, and Sony had to defend a product that would effectively be dead by 1988. At least in the home market. I mean, beta continued to be the standard in professional video until well into the 2000s, when digital video became good enough and more importantly affordable enough to transition over and leave analog tape behind forever. Going back to Wikipedia, quote, By 1988, beta format was officially declared dead without any more new models released. Sony began to assemble and market its first VHS machines, models SLV-50 and SLV-70HF, with VHS chassis mechanisms purchased from Hitachi initially. Production ramped up by 1990 using Sony's own VHS VCR mechanism, responding to consumers' increasing demand for first-purchase hi-fi stereo units and flying erasehead editing models. Despite claims that Sony was still backing beta, Sony also had good success with VHS by the mid-1990s, and it was clear that the beta format was dead at least in Europe and North America. And in parts of South America and in Japan, beta continued to be popular and machines were still in production to the end of 2002, unquote. In 1996, DVD debuted, meaning, of course, that my friend Chris Dixon would now need to buy his massive movie collection all over again because DVD was the CDs, but for movies, and we were told it was the future. And we would all need to buy Star Wars again to see how George, see it how George Lucas truly intended. Mostly with some bad CGI and Greedo shooting first. Han shot first. By 2003, VHS was going the way of Betamax. And the last official movie released on VHS was A History of Violence in 2006. Viggo Mortensen played a mild better man who becomes a local hero through an act of violence which sets off repercussions that will shake his family to his very core. Yeah, I don't remember that movie, and you probably don't either. All that remains of VHS are probably billions of tapes still in circulation that were far more reliable than audio cassettes with all the movies and most of the memories of two generations, Generation X and the millennials of our birthdays, children's sports events, and graduations. But listen, and trust me on this, you need to be very, very careful playing any unlabeled tape that you might find when your parents die because you just never know which one is going to have your head dad's hairy ass going balls deep in your mom. You're a sick old man and sick old men need nurses. Hey, I wasn't the one doing your mom unless, <laughs> you know, of course I was the one doing your mom and I'd forgotten we videotaped it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is it for our show this week. You know, someone reached out to us to say that our research was lacking on our Son of Sam shows. They were very nice about it, and I do appreciate it. I always like to get feedback, but in our defense, this is not a true crime podcast. This is a dick joke podcast. If we get some facts wrong, and we do try not to get facts wrong, just remember that any errors we make were in furtherance of a better dick joke. That's the what the hell are you thinking promise. Speaking of promises, rate and review this show wherever you get your pods. It helps others find us, listen to, and uh, promise themselves never to take your suggestions ever again. If you feel our dick jokes are good enough for like a dollar, why not give us one at patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. You should do all the things that Jeremy was going to tell you to do in the closing. Otherwise, he will come to your house and put a little piece of tape over the little tabs that you broke out to keep your dad from taping over those G.I. Joe episodes you had recorded for posterity. And so for me, Dave, I saw your movies on tapes in 1982. Bledsoe, producer, on machines replaced by new technology. Gavin, and all the fictional latchkey kids who just existed on watching G.I. Joe videos over and over again until the parents got home on a VHS system. We want to say that, yes, video home system did kill the Betamax star, but Laserdisc is forever in our hearts. And we'll see you all next week. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. You know, they said Van Halen was dead after David Lee Roth quit. Seltzer Kings. Podcast.